0: We um, are going to pick back up a series that we started sometime before Easter called um, uh, undeserving. I almost forgot uh, the title to uh, a series that I named, but it's undeserving. Uh, and we have the intention of uh, wrapping up this series in the next two Sundays. And so uh, I'm going to kind of um, pick the conversation back up today because uh, I, I think there is some things that we need to say to kind of balance out um, this, uh, message of God's grace. So with that, you can turn to Romans chapter six. That's going to be the text that we kind of focus on, uh, to get some of our main points. But as mentioned, we started a series sometime before Easter titled undeserving where for at least seven weeks, we have been digging into the details of God's grace. And our discovery has led to insights regarding our sinfulness, right? And, and God's forgiveness for our sinfulness. Um, and again, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter six. And let me just give a little context of what's going on here. And we have to jump back to chapter five. You don't have to turn there, but I can just briefly summarize the end of chapter five of the book of Romans. Because it will help us understand why Paul comes at uh, verse one in chapter six the way he does. Uh, Paul in chapter five talks up the glorious details of how God's grace came into the world in Romans. He, he begins in chapter six now to direct the conversation, and uh, addressing some misconceptions regarding, uh, God's grace in our relationship with sin. Are you tracking? Okay. One person, Joe, I'm so grateful for you. We got one guy I I really encourage you guys to tune in, just, just tune into this broadcast station. Okay. So Paul is going to kind of now address again, some misconceptions regarding God's grace and our relationship with sin. He starts the conversation like this in verse one of chapter six. What shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound now? This is right after, as I said earlier, Paul gives a beautiful, stirring presentation of God's grace via his son, Jesus. Uh, how, how, again, sin came into the world through one man, and we know that man to be Adam, and, 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 and how now the forgiveness and grace and salvation and redemption came through another, and of course, that is Jesus. And so the answer to this question that Paul asks here in verse one is, of course not. <laughs> If you look at verse two, he says, of course not. And he says something that should get our attention. I believe in the second half of verse two he says, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Now the rest of the chapter, chapter six, seems to be dedicated uh, to answering this question. How can we live in sin? If we as believers have died to sin. Hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully you you get the difference there, right Uh, now, a little disclosure before we get more into the details of chapter six, I am in no way. And I, I feel it important to say this, I am in no way, um, saying in today's sermon that you can live on this side of eternity, a sinless life. Okay, uh, some of you are like, of course, duh. But there, there is a very pervasive teaching in the body of Christ, specifically in charismatic circles that believe and have preached that we can actually live sinless lives. It's amazing to me. Uh, we're not cut. we're not hewn of that rock. We are proud charismatics, but we don't prescribe to all the theology that charismatics have, and that's one of them so I want to be crystal clear here. I am not saying that on this side of eternity, you can live a sinless life. And there are plenty of biblical reasons for that. For example, we'll just pull out one of them. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, right? You know this verse. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Case closed. Let's just, we, we get it. Clear, John. Thank you. Now. That's what I'm not saying. Here's what I am saying. Just because it is impossible to escape the clutches of sin's power on this side of eternity, doesn't mean you have to be a victim constantly defeated and dare I say, dominated by sin's power and friend, that's good news. Yeah, Joe, thank you, sir. I mean, some of you guys got to wake up, man. Come on. That's good news. That's that's news that no matter what this morning's worship felt like this morning, you should be raising your hands and lifting your voice to Jesus. A great deal of the New Testament is dedicated to the idea that I just mentioned earlier. It teaches us that we are dead to sin, right? And not dead in our sins. You see the difference, right? But, but that's what verse 2 says. Right? But but there are many here in this room today who cannot relate to what I just said. You, you, you feel like sin is very much alive in you. Right? Like you're, you're pulled around by sin's power. You're um, given easily to its demands. Uh, you can't Uh, resist the control it has over your life i i I believe that there's many why because i used to be there myself used to be there myself i i sincerely with with all my heart guys hear me feel uh terrible for those christians who fall into that category because it's the most confusing and kind of like dismal dark and disparaging. It's just terrible uh, to be a believer and still live dead in your sins. It's terrible. It's not it's not what Christ gives us. It's not what he promises us. And we're living. If you're in that category, you're you're living short of the blessings Christ has for you. Christ, in other words, has called you and has prepared a way, a means in which you can live dead to sin, not dead in your sins. I'm going to say that a lot. So get used to it. And if it offends you, I'm sorry. I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to preach the truth. Back some time ago, I felt myself and found myself in this very category living life this way. Uh, During that time, I I noticed how I was treating God's grace like a bandage on a wound, right? Like like something that just kind of conceals and covers up until it heals. And hear me, there's elements of God's grace that does just that. But that's not it in its entirety. God has more than just cover up and healing for your uh, marks that sin leaves on your life. God empowers us, friends, listen to me. God empowers us via the Holy Spirit to live a life dead to sin. And I hope to convince you, oh man, I got two or three people. Give me a break, people. Golly, sometimes pastoring in Cambridge is the hardest thing. It takes you so much to get excited about Jesus. Seriously. I don't, I don't know if it's just like you wanna, you wanna just appear as though you're cool or whatnot, but man, you know, don't applaud for me. Applaud for what Christ has done for us. wake this place up, Jesus. God empowers us, he empowers us. How else are we to live uh, uh, dead to our sin? How, how else I, I can't do it. I mean, have you ever tried? I, I, I can't unless God comes alongside of me and gives me something that I don't have within myself to do because I very much like giving in to the pleasures and the kind of, Ooh, sin looks good. It doesn't look ugly. Like it, it's, it's, it's pleasurable friends. And so I need something of a greater force to, to intervene. And Christ does just that. Now, I imagine like me, you're, you're wondering, well, how does he do that? Well, Paul answers the question. I don't mean to yell at you. I, mean, I, I did just yell at you earlier, I'm sorry. But, uh, but Paul answers that question for us in, in, in the chapter that we just read. As we go on into it, um, we start getting into the details of the mystery of baptism. And I, I say that intentionally, like, Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. But Paul makes the case, uh, that the death of sin was committed in baptism. Like, right. Like here's Romans chapter six, three and four, it says, or have you forgotten? Here's the same chapter, just the next verse, next two verses, or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. So so Paul sees us coupled to Christ in baptism. He sees our baptism as being some kind of crucifixion, if you would, of its own, uh, that our sinful ways were put to death with Christ so that sin might lose its power and no longer rule in us. Now, if you need further convincing, look at the next couple of verses, six through seven, same chapter. We know, this is exactly what I just said, that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ So that sin might lose its power. We no longer are slaves to sin. Preach it. Paul. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now that's awesome. That's a mouthful. It's it's even quite complex. It's hard to kind of wrap your mind around it. Cause I, I, I've been baptized and I'll honestly say none of those things felt like they happened when I was dunked in water. I didn't feel like some kind of, you know, you know, dove come down from it. This is my son of whom I am well, I didn't feel any of it. I I was aware at the time of my baptism of Romans chapter six, right? I wanted the things listed in Romans chapter six, but it just wasn't my experience. And actually, if I flash back to that time, man, I went headstrong after sin after baptism. Good Lord. So I had to do it again. But you get what I'm saying. Like, I don't think for a moment Paul means we'll have this euphoric experience in baptism. I, I think that verse 11 comes in clutch, and we're going to skip down a couple verses. But here, Paul, I think, brings some understanding of how being dead to sin works in a meaningful way in baptism. Here's verse 11 of the same chapter we're reading here. Paul says, so you also must consider, or or another translation, I believe it's the um, NLT says, reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I point to this verse Intentionally, because I love this word consider. Like, I I just love it because it kind of takes it out of this mystery of like, man, how did all the things that Paul just listed in in Romans chapter six, I think three through uh, six or eight or something like that. How do all those things transpire in baptism? I never felt any of them. But then Paul, as he gets further into the chapter, we stumble across uh, this language where he's telling us to think and Consider all the things that he listed prior. And that helps me understand as if it, 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 it helps me make the distinction between, you know, this miraculous thing of which, hey, listen, I'm all in, but I'm being totally honest, never experienced. And it brings it very practically right, right, right front and center in my heart. Oh, I'm to consider, I, I'm to think about all these things that Paul listed prior to verse 11. And I'm to think about them deeply. That's what this word consider in the Greek means. Am I saying? Yeah, in the Greek means. I sometimes get the Hebrew and the Greek mixed up a little bit. Did I get that right, Joe? Thank you. Uh, but that's what it means. It means to think deeply. So Paul's saying, hey, friends, everything I just told you, the, the, the sin losing its power over your life, you being fre- freed from sin's power and its grip, you no longer being enslaved to sin, all those things happen as you simply meditate upon the work of both Christ and the baptism that you've been joined with Him in death. And that helps to personalize it. That helps me to actually start to live, you know, this life out where I'm no longer dominated by sin and sin's power. But I remember. When, when I have an inclination to want to sin, I want, I, I, my eyes want to wander, my heart wants to wander, my mouth wants to wander, anybody there, you just want to say some things about somebody, you like, and you're like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? But when that happens, immediately, these things come to mind. No, 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 that, that old man, that tendency to want to lash out at a person, or, or wander with my eyes, or whatever, or, or say something that I'm gonna regret, that, those things uh, become harnessed And safeguarded to a place of where I'm remembering, no, 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 Daryl, that man's dead. (laughs) That man's dead. And and I I, I think some of us here are just waiting for God to like wave the magic wand and just free us from, you know, habitual sin. And might I add, Paul is addressing those who struggle with habitual sin. Again, it just falls into line where we're not saying, and I'm not saying that we will be able to live sinless lives. Again, uh, this chapter is more for people who feel like they are in the clutches of habitual, can't get out of it kind of sin. And I imagine that there are here, many here, that, that fit into that category. And I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm just trying to point out the obvious. And I just, I, I, I wanna plead with you, friends, If you find yourself in that boat today where you are just a victim to habitual sin, I just want to plead and say, friend, there is far more for you than just to be a victim, to be dominated by sin and its power and its grip. There's more for you. I know what it's like. if I just rewind the clock and look back into my mid-20s, man, to my early 20s, I was in that boat of just habitually failing and falling short of, of, of the glory of God. And I, I literally wanted at times to give up because I felt like I was becoming a, a hypocrite. I had a love and an interest to walk and be a disciple of Jesus. But I just couldn't get certain things in line and honor God with my lifestyle, my choices. And I feel like there's so many in the church today that fall in that boat. And I just want to cast a net and say, friends, there is more for you today in Christ Jesus, there is more for you today in Christ Jesus. Listen, if you're going to the bar, trying to drown your anger and alcoholism, you know, if you're lashing out, if you find yourself being short with your wife, if you found yourself developing an addiction to pornography, friends, and you just cannot get out of the clutches, if you found yourself a greedy, miserable person, friend, there is hope for you in Christ Jesus. In other words, you don't have to, you know, just sit down and and take the lashes of sin, you know, the the lashes of of being discouraged because you just can't break free from that certain advice. Again, guys, Christ has already won that battle. And now he's asking us to join with him In a death, not a death like his, but a death. Has has anybody put, you know, a a certain besetting sin to death that you're just like, I don't want to. (laughs) I really enjoy that person. I really enjoy that thing, whatever, fill in the blanks, you know. But you have just, man, if I could get honest, I'm not going to. I'm honest enough behind this mic and I'm just going to protect God. Thank you. It's been a long time, Jesus. Hallelujah but I know what it's like to put something to death that you want to live so badly. But here's the thing, dead things aren't meant to live. They must die. And one thing that must die in you and me is sin. Will it ever be distinguished completely on this side of eternity? No, (laughs) no, but I'm, I'm telling you there's gains to be had. There's gains to be had. And if you, you came to me in my mid twenties, you know, in the throes of addiction, I won't name it, but in the throes of it, just feeling like, oh man, I should just give up. What am I doing this Jesus thing for? Look at me. If you would have told me this in my mid twenties, I would have laughed you. know, you're kidding me. Come on, come on. But, but guys, really consider, you know, think deeply upon your baptism and the significance of what happened, what transpired when you were immersed in water. And, and when you wanna lash out at somebody, when you wanna go and feed that pleasure or that desire, think about your baptism and how you were joined with Christ and how you died to death, the death where you put a sin you know, to death. It's a lot of death, <laughs> a lot of dying on Sunday morning. But, but the Christian faith invites us to die. It, 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 it's like, come and follow me, you know, like, like, and, and die in the process, you know. And I'm not talking about a physical death. Hear me, guys. I'm talking about putting those behaviors, those tendencies that you know are dishonoring they do not glorify or honor Christ in any way, putting those things to death. I think somebody's having a rough time up there. You know, when I was thinking about this particular part of the series, um, I really felt like impressed and I don't really like feel that a lot. I really felt like Lord, the Lord wanted to balance some things out uh, to what we were saying some weeks before, because if you heard some of the, and I, I don't regret. I think uh, uh, most of everything we taught and we said during that series was biblical and sound. Um, but there is a balance. There is the, like the 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 grace of God is like a two-edged sword. It has two different sides. And 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 here Paul is. Um, encouraging us not to abuse the grace of God. Do you know that God's grace can be abused? It it certainly can. You need to read Hebrews. I won't even get into it because it would scare some of you today. But it but it can be abused. And here's the thing, we we don't need to do that. We don't need to abuse God's grace. Why? Because God has provided so much more for us to walk victoriously. Uh, You know, rather than being a victim, he's he's provided so much for us to to walk again victoriously. I I know he just said that, but I really want to emphasize that point. We don't need to abuse the grace of God. We need to enjoy it, utilize it when we need it. But also, we need to walk further in, in the journey that Christ has for us. And that is not living dead in our sins, but living dead to our sins. Father, I thank you. Lord, we need grace, Lord. There's, I'm sure many here today that feel like they're in the first category of people. They just feel like, man... This is hopeless, like I I get it, like I get that Jesus died and he's called me to be his disciple, but man, I just cannot get some things together. Father, I pray right now that your loving kindness would reach out to those who feel they're become a bit hypocritical and Lord, because of the hypocrisy they're wanting to give up, Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would reach out to those people, God, Keep them, God, convict them, but Lord, love them into righteousness as you loved me, God. You never gave up on me, God, all those years where I lived um, hypocritically. I I was a hypocrite, God, Uh, Lord, but you loved me through it. kept me God and here I am today Father I pray Lord that those who feel like they're they're just done they can't do it father keep them keep them in your loving hand let your patience and your kindness grip their hearts even now under the sound of my voice God Holy spirit come yeah I just want to encourage maybe there are a couple a handful of people that you just feel like man I am done I, I don't want to be done but i i I just can't do this i I, I just am, am I'm I have tons of hope for you, tons of hope for you, and I just hope that you hear uh, God, uh, his, his pleasure, his, his patience, his kindness over your heart, uh, um, championing you and encouraging you to keep on persevering. I just want to say that no matter what was said today, friend, uh, no matter if you have fallen into the hands of habitual sin or not, or what, whatever page you find yourself on, don't ever give up. Keep on pressing, man. You fall, get back up, press to lead, ask for forgiveness, repent. Don't give up. Persevere, persevere, Joe, if you would come. And I'm not going to assume that everyone here is a follower of Jesus, but if there are those who are here and maybe you've come because a friend invited you or a mom or dad, um, you know, guilted you into coming. Uh, I want to just extend, um, an opportunity for you to receive salvation, man. If the story of God's grace fascinates you, you know, and it, it, it's it's maybe struck some kind of note in your heart this morning, I want to encourage you. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God, the Holy Spirit, saying, "Son, daughter, it's time to give your life to me." And so, if you if if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, listen. There's no better time than now. Now's the right time. And if you feel uh, like like you want to just give your life to Christ, I'll be up here, want to talk with you after. But yet, in addition to that, I want to pray for those who maybe feel like um, you're you're on the brink as we just prayed. You're on the brink of just giving up. You've just seen too much hypocrisy in your life. And you don't feel like this message of living victoriously is for you. You just feel like it's for somebody else or you've tried, you've believed, you've had faith, but you've just been so let down. I wanna pray for you uh, and and encourage you to not give up, to persevere. If there's anybody, I don't know who is left over from the core team, if you'd come and help me. uh, Maybe pray for a couple people when they come. You don't have to come now, but when people come, if they come, just help me navigate that. wrap things up, we'll conclude things. Uh, If, you know, we haven't scared you too much, and this seems like a church you want to get to uh, know a little bit more about, we encourage you to go stop by the info center, which is over here. There's some people that just want to talk to you and um, help you through that process of becoming more connected to the life of our church.